Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin, and on this week's show, with Kathleen Malalis. And Kathleen is a trust and estates attorney. She received her degree in psychology from Temple University. She received her law degree from Widener University. And she has her estate planning certification through uh, Temple University Beasley School of Law. Um, she was named Pennsylvania Super Lawyers Rising Star back in 2010. And, you know, she has served as, you know, many different hats that she's worn within the practice. And I love this for, for a lot of my my group because she actually has a background in title insurance. And so that, of course, helps her out when she's facing and representing clients with any real property issues. And I thought it would be really fun because a lot of the people here today have a real estate background. So a lot of the people within uh, my group are real estate investors. And so I thought that was kind of interesting for you guys. So I want you guys to welcome to the stage Kathleen Malalis. Hi, everybody. Hey, Kathleen. So, you know, before we get started, you know, I know we're getting into all these super serious topics this month. You know, we're talking about life insurance, death, taxes, all this crazy stuff. I just want everybody to kind of sit back, relax, take a deep breath. I have a super, super serious question I'm going to ask you. And remember, this is all just about you know, being honest with ourselves, if with no one else, that's cool. Just at least be honest with yourself. And before we get into the, the craziness of this topic, you know, just deep breath, relax, clear your energy. And here's the question. Thanks to COVID and everything, how many people listening, both live on our Zoom and in Facebook and here on the platform, have ever run around your house and had to or chose to, rather, you don't have to, pick up the clothes off your floor and throw them on right before you have to get on a meeting. Anybody? Anybody. Come on. Okay. Slight admission. I kind of sort of just did that because I just ran home from the dentist. I did my whole COVID protocol of, like, ripping my clothes off. So if you guys know, I live in Manhattan. Um, so, you know, I have to jump in a cab or I have to, like, go somewhere. So I'm always, like, taking off my clothes. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be late for this thing. <laughs> little bit of lightness before the really sexy topic of trust and estates. So Kathleen, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and why this topic is even important to anyone. Sure. So as you heard, um, I started my undergrad in psychology um, and I thought I was going to become a counseling psychologist, but I realized um, back then a lot of titles had a PhD at the end. And I thought that uh that wasn't the route to go. Um, so I actually looked into law school and got through it um, and spent um, some time in the real estate, um, family law, and title insurance space. Felt it wasn't really for me, um, but uh, fell into trust and estates law um, as one of my um, uh, landing points. And I fell in love with the practice um, because it really, um, to me, it felt like um, I was allowed to be myself. Um, I'm not a litigator, um, but with the psychology background, I felt like I had to use a lot of it um, because you're dealing with um, planning, you're dealing with um, individuals that 
um, need to figure out, you know, how to transition their estate. And also you're dealing with individuals who have lost a loved one. And now it's time to figure out how to administer that estate. And um, in terms of litigation, I do see it. Um, I am not the litigator, but I'm also brought on as a consultant. Um, so a lot of times I felt that uh, I fell into something um, that I love. And uh, it's been 15 years of doing this. And I think I can uh, safely say that I've seen a lot, um, you know, throughout my tenure and doing this type of work. Um, I'm now at a firm that's mid-sized in Pennsylvania, I'm licensed to practice in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And I'm seeing a lot of estates that range from, um, you know, a couple hundred thousand to multi-million. Um, and they can all be complicated, complicated in their own regard. Um, so it's, uh, you know, you can kind of see the pieces fall in as to why it's really important to uh, have planning uh, done, you know, for yourself and for your family so that it can avoid litigation in the future. Right. So let me ask you, I mean, you and I, we're, we're both lawyers and it's really interesting. Even as an attorney, I really didn't understand the importance because truth be told, I did not even draft a will until I had a child. Right. Because mm -hmm. in my brain, it was like, OK, I need to make sure that I don't die intestate. We can get into all what that means. But like, you know, that tell me why is it important for somebody who maybe isn't married, doesn't have kids? And by the way, actually, let's start here. What the hell is trust in a state all about? Right. We're not just talking about wills. They're like, you know, let's tell me like as if I know nothing. And what the heck is even teeny? What's sure. Um, so we're talking about what will happen to you if you were to become incapacitated or you are to pass away. Um, and so the law is going to have its own um, rendition of how things are gonna happen if you have not done anything to plan. Um, but if you want to um, you know, be proactive and, and have a plan in place, um, then you're thinking about consulting with a trust and estates attorney. Um, and from there, you know, they're going to get an idea of you as an individual. Are you single? Are you married? Do you have children? How old are they? Um, and then what are your assets? Um, how are they titled? Um, because all of that is going to have an impact of how things will pass, um, you know, regarding if you are going to be putting together an estate plan. It's all going to have to tie in together and be implemented. Um, but if not, you know, you're you're kind of left to what the law has decided for you if you were to die. Um, and the word that we use is intestate. Right. So intestate meaning you die without a will, uh, you die without a plan. And like she said, you know, if you leave it up to the state, it's like taxes, dude. You're not leaving that up to the state. It's not, it's not, it's not the plan you want. Um, so, okay. So now talk to me like, why would I need this if I am single, if I don't have kids, you know, why does it matter? Why would it matter for me to have a will or a plan in place? Right. So I have some clients who are single and um, sometimes they may be, um, uh, let's say, you know, they don't have close contact with one parent. Um, so mom is always in life, dad, you know, um, no clue. Um, but if that person were to pass away and they were not married, they have no children, um, then by law, uh, all of a sudden those two parents, one who the um, decedent is, deceased person is very close with, 
um, is all of a sudden going to have rights to what that person worked so hard for. Um, so sometimes a person like that is going to say, you know what, I need to get my plan in place and make sure I indicate in my will that 100% of my estate goes to my mom if I were to pass away. Um, but it could be a different situation. You may have a partner that you want to benefit, not your, you know, anybody else. Um, so if you want to make sure that that uh, partner that you may not be married to um, has some form of rights uh, with respect to your estate or has some say of how to take care of you, then you're talking about, you know, making sure that there's a plan in place. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just really taking whatever is your intention and making sure it happens. Right. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, with some individuals here um, that have businesses um, in some states, um, in Pennsylvania, for example, which is where one of the states I'm licensed at, um, if you pass away and you own a business, the business can't just continue to run. Um, you know, if, if, if you pass away, there's actually a proceeding that you're going to have to file an orphan's court to be able to have approval to continue to run the business. And things like that can be avoided if you had a will um, and a state plan and a business succession plan in place. Yeah. And guys, just because, you know, you're on the line right now with an attorney, I'm going to make this disclaimer that we are not giving out legal advice. Okay. No matter what you do, you always have to check with your advisors, whoever they are, because it's going to change by state, by county, you know, all different kinds of things come into play. Your specific background has to come into play. We're just bringing your attention to something so that you can learn more and hopefully, you know, you can run with it. You can find your people, learn what you need to learn and get what you need done. done. So I don't want, you know, this to be taken as legal advice. Like, oh my God, we're just saying, hey dude, like if you have a business and you don't have this succession plan, you should start learning about it and thinking about it and getting that done, right? Sunny Tran and I were on, what, like a week or two ago, and we were talking about insurance. Now, we were talking about life insurance, but guys, remember when you own a business and you have partners, you need to insure that partnership. You want to insure the other partners because somebody passes with that succession plan, with that insurance policy, right? It, it all comes together, and this is why we're doing this. And I know that, and actually, I'll ask you, Kathleen, um, dude, let's say I'm broke. Like, let's say I rent my apartment. I like don't have these assets we keep talking about. You know, you're going to take my car. Yeah, okay. It's like 300 bucks if you're lucky, right? Why does someone like that need to be thinking about this? Um, well, <laughs> somebody like that um, may have what's called an insolvent estate um, when they pass away. Um, but if they still have something in the bank, um, there's under, and, and then let's say you pass away without a will, um, there's, a whole hierarchy of who gets a cut of your estate. Um, so it can go from administration fees to paying back whoever paid for your funeral. Um, and then it may be that creditors, like the people, you know, that are not secured, um, credit card bills, things like that, um, that they're like last in line to get paid in some states. Um, so, and sometimes we have situations where if, even if the person had an estate plan and, you know, so they pass away, usually you consult with an estate attorney and kind of gauge whether it's worth it to open that estate up um, because it's, it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be very complicated. And if that person didn't have life insurance or anything um, that could then be paid as a result of their passing away, 
you may have an insolvency um, issue and it's extremely complicated. I mean, I've done quite a number of those. It's not my favorite thing to do, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's there if needed. Right. And again, guys, again, tying it all together, you know, we're at the end of this month, we're talking about trust and estates, you know, um, we're talking and I'll get you guys some more of that retirement vehicle information. Uh, we're talking about taxes, life insurance, all of this stuff ties in together because I want you to picture a scenario where maybe you have a lot of debt, but you have a life insurance policy. If you die in test date, guess what? It's going to go through a certain process that you probably don't want it to go to, right? It's going to go to the beneficiary. Kathleen can talk more about that. But let me ask you this. Talking about the only things we can't avoid in life, death and taxes, um, what kind of taxes are typically involved in like when somebody dies? Like what, what, what happens there tax-wise? Sure. So um, there's always the federal estate tax. Um, however, that is going to depend on how much you own um, at your passing. Um, currently, it's an $11.5 million exemption um, per person. So a couple can shield approximately $23 million worth of assets. Um, but that is only right now um, until the end of 2025. So in 2026, January 1st of 2026, not unless the law changes, it is set to sunset back down to the prior levels, um, uh, you know, before this $11.5 million existed. And that's going to be at around a $5.5 million uh, range. So, you know, now a couple can shield about $11 million. A lot of times that is not an issue um, for, you know, the majority. Um, however, each state may have their own uh, state death tax. And it can be in the form of an inheritance tax, or it can be in the form of an estate um, inheritance tax. Um, so that's going to be state specific. And another thing, another thing that you want to plan for, because it sometimes depends on who are your beneficiaries. Um, and the further out that you, you're related to somebody, the higher uh, that inheritance tax um, could be. So it, for example, in Pennsylvania, um, if you're married, you're not going to pay inheritance tax if the spouse inherits. Right. Children at, are at four and a half percent, and then siblings are twelve percent, and then anybody else is fifteen percent. So same thing. If you're leaving something to a fiance, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, anything like that, that person is going to be uh, paying inheritance taxes at the rate of fifteen percent. So that's another reason why life insurance, you know, is a good tool because it's there to pay for. Um, these death taxes that are going to come up. Um, but like I said, it's state specific and um, something that individuals may not be aware of. Sometimes you own an asset jointly with a person and all of a sudden they pass away, you know, and that's a million dollar home. Uh, now, after you subtract out the mortgage, that that portion that is the equity is now going to be subject to, um, and, you know, death taxes. And it really depends on your relationship and how that title um, to that property is owned as to where it's going to go. But that's an example. Um, you know, so sometimes if you buy a property with a boyfriend or something like that, you may want to consider having some form of life insurance um, because it's going to uh, uh, potentially be due if there is an un unexpected uh, passing. Right. Um, and there's also income taxes. So estates are going to have um, it's form of income tax um, because your cutoff happens, you know, for your personal income tax um, at your passing. Right. And then the estate starts taking over. And as long as the estate is opened, 
there's going to be an income tax um, issue that that estate's going to have to face. And it may distribute all of its income out to the beneficiaries, which will then be subject to income tax at that specific beneficiary's income tax rate. But it's still an issue that needs to be dealt with. Um, So, yeah, I can go on and on uh, when it comes to taxes Um, and the federal, you know, they have a gift tax. So meaning to say, if you give away more than um, the annual exclusion amount, um, it's going to start being like a debit card in terms of um, what you're giving away. However, it's going to be tied to the federal estate tax um, exemption. So somebody can still give away $11.5 million between now and 2026, um, and that's not going to be subject to uh, gift taxes. And then on top of that, um, the most complicated tax, um, when you hear trust and estates attorneys talk about that, they probably themselves don't understand. Um, and I'll admit, I probably don't understand it as much because it's very complicated. Um, it's called the generation skipping transfer tax, GST tax. Um, but it's when you are giving assets to a grandchild, you're skipping a generation. Um, it may not be due uh, at that point, but at some point in time, the longer that um, trust is around, because some families have extreme amounts of wealth, um, that GST tax is going to become become an issue. Um, so like I said, I can go on on about it, but, um, you know, even if part of it, what you have to do is plan for those taxes and how to address it at your passing. Man, it doesn't get, it doesn't get sexier than the topics you and, <laughs> and our other speaker were talking about God, taxes and trust in us. Yeah. So sexy. Yeah. Nobody, that, that's the reason why a lot of attorneys don't want to do trust in estates work. It's, it's uh, well, it's, you have it's seasons, like everybody hangs up <laughs> for the holidays and then you get busy when they all kick it. I'm like, no. Like, I don't know what's worse. Litigation. (laughs) (laughs) Litigation is mighty fun for people. It's really awesome. Um, So actually, you were talking about the GST tax, but let's go one step back and and a little bit closer. Tell me, like, what we need to know. Like, first of all, when you were talking about this, I just kind of like my gut just went like, oh, just another way, like, gay people or other people get screwed by the system, because if you're in a state where you're legally not a ma- like allowed to get married or religion or whatever, you're like screwed. What can they do in order to prevent that, if anything? Like, what do you do? Yeah, so you can have your will and you could still name your partner um, as the beneficiary. You can also name them as the executor um, to be in charge of that, because sometimes even if you have that partner is the beneficiary and then somebody else is serving as the executor, perhaps there could be contention um, or, you know, some, some problem that can arise. Um, so that's the reason why, you know, if, um, if you are LGBT that you would want to consider an estate plan. And then even if you're alive and if you were to become incapacitated, um, same thing, you're going to be thinking about other documents like a healthcare power of attorney um, or a financial power of attorney because you know you're still you're alive, but you're you've become incapacitated, and in order to be able to um, you know continue um, business or other you know things to basically um, you know pay for bills and things like that, you're you're going to have to have a legal document that allows somebody to act um, upon that. Otherwise, um, you have to go through what's called a guardianship proceeding, and in that situation, it's a family member that's likely going to have the rights to do it. Um, you know, and, and even if you're um, a, a partner or whatnot, you know, you're not 
going to have any sort of rights. So that's the reason why it's it's good to have a plan. Yeah. And guys, that healthcare power attorney is so important because again, it's kind of like business, right? Like, you know, it's in your head, you know what you think you're supposed to be doing and you have your whole plan in your head, but it's not going to get executed. It's not going to get executed to your specifications because it's not written. And it's no different in this situation. Like you need that healthcare power attorney. We think of times sometimes like when we die, hopefully your T&E attorney, I know mine did. The second we were talking Will's Trust Estate, that that was immediately in the air. And I ne- had never thought about it. Like, like what happens? Like I just thought about, hey, dude, if I kick the bucket, like this is going to happen, right? And I, was like, and I was like, oh, right. And then I actually, you know, we don't want to think about this. What happens if you are alive but incapacitated? What happens if, you know, you're, do you want life support or not? Like, right? Like, what if you want life support if you're, like, in your 40s, 50s, 60s? But then you – so these are things that's why we keep revisiting them, um, like, yeah. annually, biannually, whatever your deal is. It's, it's just like the life insurance. It's just like all of it. Like, it's not one and done. I wish it were. Right. You know, it would be so easy, but it's just not. Um, it's something you should revisit, like, periodically. I like to revisit it. Right now I'm in my 40s, so I do it every other year. Um, I'm sure it would be probably better if I did it annually. I'll be honest. I'm just being honest. I'm not all that good at that. Um, Yeah, it may not be an every year thing, but it's still good to kind of revisit and make sure that the persons that you named are still competent, they're still alive, or you're still on good terms with them, um, or that they exhibited any sort of um, actions that would cause concern to you, um, that they were going to have some form of power if something were to happen. Yeah. And that's interesting. And things happen. Like I know that the people on my will for my daughter, when she was younger, one of them ended up, uh, having MS, one of them became a quadriplegic. And when I revisited my, my will, I left them on there with conversation saying, Basically, you have right of first refusal to my kid, and it's totally up to you because I know, like, they're essentially incapacitated in some way, right? Yes. And so, and then I, and then I have the other people added, uh, but it's it's actually quite there, like quite literally, it's almost like a right of first refusal because you know my daughter's older now, it doesn't really matter. She's she's twelve. It's not as as significant as it once was, and it actually came to light because I had something happen to me where we actually had to have this conversation: like, what if I die? Um, and what happens to everyone. And so it's, 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 it's there, man. I know we don't like to think about it, but it's totally there. Um, so let's yeah. guess, what if you, what, what should we be considering if we do have, if we're married and we do have like minor children or if we are single and we have minor children, what are the, some of the big considerations that we should be looking at? Um, so sometimes, you know, there are assets that you want to continue to pass through um, the family um, sometimes a concern is what happens if I die and my spouse remarries, um, you know, what's going to happen to things we own. Um, so things like that, there, you know, we may be using a trust uh, structure um, because it's a way to preserve the assets um, for the benefit of the spouse. But if they were to remarry or anything like that, they wouldn't have the free reign to just retitle the assets to the new spouse's name, for example, because then if that were to happen, um, and then that spouse passes away, then all of a sudden this new spouse would end up owning everything. So a lot of things like that um, get people riled up <laughs> when they're doing their estate plans. And so, you know, we're, we're talking through trusts. Um, and same thing, when your children are minors, you're likely going to need a, a trust structure, um, which you can then des- decide at what age they may have full um, ability to then take charge of that asset. Um you know, so you're thinking about trusts 
for the benefit of the children with distribution standards for their health, education, maintenance, support, um, and their accustomed manner of living. Um, but you know, on top of that, if you are, if your assets are significant, um, you're thinking about trusts that may be generational. So meaning to say they continue, um, if that child, uh, passes away, um, and they have children of their own, it's going to automatically pass, uh, you know, for their, for their benefit. Um, so, you know, planning like that exists and it just depends on the size of your estate and kind of what your intentions are. Um, so that's something that's going to be totally designed um, by yourself with the um, you know assistance of your uh, trust and estates attorney. Um, in that document itself, um, you're also going to have the ability to, which is what you just spoke about, name a guardian. Um, so you know if you and your spouse, um, uh, you know the, the both children, uh, both parents of a minor child were to pass away, um, you should have a guardianship. Um, you know, lined up in terms of who's going to step up. And part of that consideration is where does that person live? Um, because it may turn out that if they are on the other side of the world or the country, um, that's where your child may end up residing. Um, so that's part of what consideration you're going to make as to who you're naming um, as the guardians of an estate. Um, and um, yeah, so there's, there's definitely a lot of considerations because, you know, if you're married and you have minor children and you don't have a plan in place back, we're back to the laws of intestacy. Um, it just gets complicated and you're always dealing with some form of, you know, legal proceeding, which is going to lead to delays. You know, you're dealing with somebody that lost a loved parent and now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're, we're going to court and we can't do anything. We're kind of frozen until this court proceeding is, um, you know, is, is, is finished. And I mean, now we're in a pandemic, as you can see, and you, everything is slow and everything is, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a game changer. Um, so that's the reason why it's, you're, you're, you're definitely going to want a plan in place, especially if you're married, um, and you have minor children. Yeah. Yeah. And so guys, everybody listening, everybody listening, uh, on the live, in, you know, the Zoom room, in Facebook, um, just start formulating any questions that you might have. Um, definitely utilize this time since she's here now. Um, I have another question for you, Kathleen, and that is, okay, if I'm a small business owner, like, you know, I just started up a business, um, I'm the sole employee, it's totally like my side gig that I just quit my job for, and I'm working on it, and what are some of the things that I should be considering, you know, in the T&E arena that, I, you know, what, what should I be looking at? Like, what's important to someone like me? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to want to figure out, you know, plan how to plan for your business in the event that you become incapacitated or you pass away. Um, so that document we talked about, if you become incapacitated, they're um, under your durable um, financial power of attorney, there uh, is a section as to your um, agent is now going to be able to continue to run a business on your behalf. Um, so there's situations where a business has um, the ability to continue running. Um, so if that's the case, then it's really a good idea to examine, um, you know, some form of planning as to how that's going to continue and also who's going to benefit um, from that. Um, so you may be I think you brought up buy-sell agreements. 
um, because, you know, it may be that you, you end up bringing in partners um, as the business continues to grow and things like that. Um, so now you're thinking about buy-sell agreements, um, which have to be well-drafted, uh, along with the fact that it's going to have the life insurance component. Um, but, you know, it's, if, if your business is, if you're a sole proprietor, if you're the sole member of an LLC, things of that nature, you're still going to have to decide where that's going to go in the event that you pass away. Um, so sometimes you may be using what's called a specific bequest of that, um, you know, membership, LLC membership interest, for example, as to where that's going to go, because it may not, it may be a totally different uh, person that you may decide um, as to where everything else goes for your residuary beneficiaries. Let me ask you this. This is a, this is a weird question, but when, where, okay, so let's say I have a life insurance policy. I'm going to put it in trust. Uh, beneficiary being, say, my minor child, uh, my minor child, could I make another designation of a beneficiary who would then operate my business? Is that possible? Um, so I guess it's kind of different because your buy-sell agreement is going to have that all laid out as to okay. if you pass away, and, and there's a business partner that are the heirs that you don't want to become a part of the business, then you're going to be using that life insurance to basically purchase that um, estate's, you know, um, interest. Right. So they get the cash, you get to keep 100% control of the business. Um, so that's something separate and apart, as opposed to if you're planning for um, a minor child, um, that might be a totally different policy that you may then say it the beneficiary of that is either your estate under your will or a specific trust um, for the benefit of that child. So it's really not something that may likely be tied in. It may be two separate things or it could be the same policy, but you're possibly directing one half um, to be part of that um, the buy-sell agreement and the other half that may be designated towards that child's trust. So same thing, it's by design, it's, you know, and you're looking at the big picture and as to deciding what, you know, what's supposed to happen, but an experienced trust and estate attorney is going to have to help you with that because it's something that needs to be worked through and, and done right. Okay. Awesome. Let me ask you this. Since, since we are telling people to go and find their own, obviously local trust and estate attorneys, uh, Tainitra here wants to know, what are some good questions to ask a T&E attorney to determine whether or not, you know, one might want to work with them? Yeah, so um, a lot of times you may start with your um, known advisors, so financial planners, um, CPAs, for example. Um, that's one way to start and talking to those um, individuals that you're already comfortable with and trust and ask whether or not they have any referrals um, to, uh, you know, a trust and estates attorney. Um, and if they do, then, you know, they may be pointing you to somebody that they have, have worked with in the past with their own clients. Um, but at that point, once you do meet with a trust and estates attorney, um, and if you're talking about an estate plan, um, they're going to want to know what your assets are, um, and, and things of that nature. Um, but you're also going to look at that attorney and make sure that they have the expertise. Um, so as you can tell from just the little time that we've spent here, it's very intricate. I mean, you're dealing with so many different things with taxes, 
um, and drafting um, and, and making sure that things are stated properly, um, tying in so many moving parts. Um, so of course, you're going to take a look at their credentials, um, make sure that they've um, you know spent time in the industry and that they're 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 really concentrating in, in this type of work um, because it's it's you know it's it's quite intricate and it can be easily messed up. Um, so sometimes if you go to like a, a general practitioner, they may not really know the ins and outs of this, um, you know, of, of this specific uh, field of the law. Um, so, you know, take a look at their credentials and kind of ask, you know, how long have they been doing this? Um, and, you know, what type of extra um, education may, may they have um, obtained? So for example, a lot of individuals that really specialize in this field of law, they're likely going to potentially have like a master's in tax, which is an LLM indication um, after their, um, you know, their title. Um, for me, I didn't go the LLM route. However, I went to Temple to get an estate planning certification. So it basically picked out the trust and estates components of your gift taxes, estate taxes, um, income taxes of estates, um, taxes uh, in general basis, like learning all that stuff, um, they, they wrap it up and you take a shortened, you know, uh, version of it, but it really takes you to a different level um, of expertise. So things like that, um, I would say is, you know, a, a good starting point. Um, but you're definitely going to want to be able to work with somebody that you feel um, that you can um, confide in them because you're, you may be dealing with a lot of situations um, in, and you're going to need, you know, good advice. Um, and sometimes we see these, um, you know, like, uh, what is it? Legal zoom, things like that. That's that kind of stuff exists and it's definitely a money saver, but part of what you're not getting is the um, overall knowledge um, of that, you know, attorney to say that might not be a good idea um, we should think about doing it this way, you know, for example. So that's the reason why, you know, you're, you're, you're going to want to some, to go with somebody that has knowledge in this field. Yeah. But there are certain things like you just sometimes have to spend the money on. And this is arguably one of them. Um, you know, and you yourself, actually, you know, you have the credentials too. I mean, you were the chair of the trust and estates, uh, practice at another law firm and guys if you don't understand like you know chair president like you know lead partner whatever you want to call it um, if you're not in the like law firm space she's basically at the top of it <laughs> she basically runs the whole department right at her prior firm she's got a lot of experience in this so if you have other questions please feel free to ask them I'm gonna be checking in with our people a lot hey Fallon do you have any questions for our t &E attorney um, we have some people here live, uh, Joanna, Koa, Jennifer, all you guys. Um, if you guys have any questions, David, Scott, Mark, Amanda, Patrick, Morgan, because um, right now you have the opportunity to speak with somebody who knows this really in depth. So if you have any questions, let me know. And Tynecha, Eric, uh, Brent, Honey, all you guys, Brooke, all of you guys over here. Um, and then, of course, I can't see the rest of you guys. So if anybody has any questions, Definitely let me know and let her know now. Going once, going twice. All right, cool. 
Um, let me ask you this. Are any sort of, uh, you know, touch points that you want to leave us with that we should really kind of take home and, and take under consideration? Um, yeah. So I think that, um, you know, take a look at what you have, what you've worked hard for, um, and also kind of see what happened this past year with this pandemic, you know, something that you totally didn't expect happened. Um, and, and, and life can be like that. <laughs> um, so it's a good, a good idea to have a plan in place um, in the event that something bad happens, whether, you know, same thing, you get into a bad accident, you're incapacitated, uh, or you pass away unexpectedly. Um, it's a way to have things in order, um, because I've dealt with a lot of messy things if there are no existing um, estate plans. And we, you may be dealing with God knows how many family members. Um, I mean, let's say somebody passes away, there's eight kids and then two of them are dead. And then it just keeps going down as to like who has rights and how do we get somebody appointed to become the administrator? It just gets really complicated. Um, well, I'm going to bring, so. I'm going to bring David Darrow here on the stage. So David, I don't know if I've done this correctly. Can you hear me? Can I hear you? Maybe I can, maybe I can't. I don't know. Do I need volume? David, are you there? Okay. So I'm not doing this right. David did have a question, I believe. And I believe Scott also has a question. Um, but I don't know how to do this guys. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I have one. How does one vet and attorney? Okay. So I think, uh, for Scott, I know that you're asking, how does one vet and attorney, you've had some experiences that are less than ideal, seems too important to leave it to chance. I think she just answered that with regards to, um, you know, what are some of the good questions to ask uh, when you're looking for an attorney to make sure that they're the right fit? Um, is there anything else, Kathleen, that you wanted to add to that? Um, just what I mentioned before, that you can start talking to, you know, your financial advisor, your CPA to see if they have any recommendations um, or other people that you know, um, whether or not they've dealt with somebody. Um, but, you know, you're going to want to, like I said, look at their reviews um, and their credentials. Uh, to see what they've, you know, accomplished and, and whatnot. Okay, awesome. I'm trying to figure this out, guys. Anybody else have anything else for us? Um, I think that's it from the questions. I know I'm looking at like 80 million different places. Um, but I think we're good. All right, guys, so that wraps up our, not only our Friday 2 o'clock call, but also our financial, uh, you know, financial fitness month, for lack of a better term. Um, for those of you who did not come in through Zoom and did not register, we are giving away a free book. So uh, you can join the Facebook group Thrive Tribe Global. And in there, if you register for any of the Friday events, we're going to give you that free book. I believe Sunny Tran, who's an expert in finance, had uh, co-written that book. And I want to say it's like 30 or 40 pages. We've gone over a lot of stuff in there. And this is all about just bringing your awareness to some of the basics that we all probably should have been doing like 30 years ago, <laughs> but, but we're going to do it now. Um, but it's all good. But, you know, just bringing your attention to the things that are out there, the things that are important. And one of those things absolutely being T&E, trust and estates. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for your time. Super, super appreciate it. Um, and that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Awesome, guys. See you next week.
All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course, you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.